Welcome to a fortnightly interjection and I'm sure many of you are aware of Black Lives Matter at the moment and this is an interview which tackles some of those questions, some of those reflections and a really really important conversation to be having right now. This is one of those in-betweeny um, podcast episodes and I'm aware that during Covid there's been a few that have been um, related to what's happening in the world at the moment. Um, I think this is a really, really important conversation. And for those of you who can get chance to also go and watch this on YouTube, um, please do so. And, you know, I'm sure that some of you will let me know exactly how you feel after the end of this episode. And, um, you know, all feedback welcome. If it's personal and attacking, then I shall thank you for your time. And I'm sure that some of you will want to uh, really, really show this between your friends, colleagues, and that's what it's been done for. Um, see you next time. There's no intro music on this one because I'm just rushing to get it out. Okay, take care of yourselves. Be well, stay safe, speak soon. Welcome to Cyber Synapse. Uh, this is another kind of rushed podcast um, in terms of where I'm coming from at the moment and this is because we're in another um, hot topic and uh, the climate that we're currently under requires this uncomfortable conversation and I'm here because I need to learn more, I need to understand more and this is why I'm doing this conversation with the person who I'm going to interview today, um, Daryl Edwards. So he's a former investment banking technologist and he turned movement coach and author He's the founder of Primal Play Method, and phys uh, which is a physical activity, health and um, play-based um, uh, service. And also you are, um, you've kind of fused together the evolutionary biology with the science of physical activity and play psychology. And this is to inspire humans, regardless of age, ability or disability, to transform their health by making physical activity fun and engaging. We're going to come back to that point, Daryl, before we even kind of start here in terms of your approach to what you've developed is about humans. It's not about kind of um, people being segregated in any way, shape or form. And for those people who are sitting, listening and for those who might be watching, um, you'll get to what you, you'll see where I'm going in a minute. Daryl has featured on documentaries, TV, radio, podcasts and international press. He's the author of a best-selling book, Animal Moves, and has released a range of fun fitness cards for adults, juniors, infants, office workers, fitness professionals, called the Animal Moves Deck. He's also uh, a TED Talk and uh, keynote speaker. And this TED Talk has already been watched about 650,000 times. So whilst that sounds like I've just given you, um, let's call it... Um, your your CV introduction there, Daryl. Uh, this is to show people I'm talking to a critical thinker. That's the reason you're here because one of the things I've learned about you, Daryl, over the, the past um, the past year really, is that you do challenge the narrative and you have a whole heap of expertise. This doesn't come from your academic qualifications. This is about you as a lived experience person. You you are a human being with a whole heap of information and you know those experiences that you've gone through which we're, we're likely to talk about today and I really want to have this uncomfortable conversation not not between you and I but with other people listening 
about what's happening right now around Black Lives Matter, but also it's about empathy and that socioeconomic status that um, you, you spoke so beautifully about in one of the Instagram lives that you did. So welcome, Daryl. And well, yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for such a great introduction. And uh, I really appreciate being on uh, on this podcast, Kath. So thank you. So should we just dive straight in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand the floor over to you, Daryl, because I think I know. Well, no, I'm just gonna be really truthful. I know jack shit in terms of um, my understanding of racism. I think I might know stuff. I might be able to say yes, I've got white privilege and that, but realistically, I don't know. I don't know enough, and I need to learn and I need to understand. And the only way I can do that is by opening the floor up to um, somebody like yourself to to kind of explain why this problem exists and where where we're going with it. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a really interesting point. And I've certainly, I've certainly struggled with, with speaking to somebody who is not of my heritage, who says, you know, I, I don't really understand how it is, how it can be for you. And I, 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 I've never been in your shoes. And um, I want to hear your experiences. And, and I suppose the first thing that I would like to say is, and I've just, I've just produced this kind of series of, of kind of comic strips talking mm. about Black Lives Matter and, and some of the conversations that I've had. And, and so one conversation um, I kind of termed broken legs matter. And, and, and a, a patient going to see their doctor, mm-hmm. the patient saying, you know, I've, I've got a broken leg. Can you help me? Uh, and the doctor doesn't seem to be that interested and the patient's like look you know I, I really appreciate your support I want to talk about this I want to spread the word in relation to this and it's like um, I've got a hashtag broken legs matter mm-hmm. and uh, the doctor goes actually you know you know that's very disrespectful you know I, I can't believe you, you you're only focusing on on broken legs you know hashtag all limbs matter and this is is part of the issue in relation to um if we're speaking about a specific problem if we're speaking about a specific issue there aren't many examples of where people will say well hold on a second let's talk about everything else as well at the same time so another example would be i have um breast cancer you know as a, as a man I, I there's a very small percent, percentage chance that I can have breast cancer so I, I, I want to talk about breast cancer I want to al- align myself to the breast cancer cause and the comment coming back being hold in a second why just talk about breast cancer what about lung cancer and liver cancer and stomach yeah. cancer and all these other cancers they're just as important well of course they're important but in this instance I want to talk about my the cancer that I have mm-hmm. and where I need some help and support. Um, and I think we need sometimes we need these metaphors for people to understand uh, how farcical and ludicrous it is when we have these Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter discussions. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a particular problem, there's a particular issue, there's a particular bit of uh, pain that needs where we need a spotlight. And that's what we want to be focusing on. 
Um, and I think it also helps when we have the discussion around, I don't really understand what that's like, you know. And, and so, again, I think about, you just have to use empathy, you know. Yeah. I, for example, I have no idea what it's like to be female. I have no idea what it's like to feel fear walking late at night or even during the day to be accosted for you know my gender <laughs> to be to be sexually abused to be harassed i have no idea what that's like but i can certainly empathize i can certainly spend time considering and listening to the voice of victims of listening to people's experiences and recognizing that those experiences there's a you know there's a scale you know from the what some people may regard as trivial but it's still extremely traumatic to the most severe and horrendous and devastating of of actions committed based on sexism you know i can i can appreciate that even as a man so i think i'm sometimes disappointed with with mm. some of those discussions because mm -hmm. i would if a woman said to me well you just have no idea you know, you have no idea what it's like. Well, yes, you're right. I have, I have not sat in your shoes. I have not been in your shoes, but I'm certainly willing to listen. I'm certainly willing to empathize. And I can certainly understand why you may feel fear, pain, scared, traumatized. I can understand that. That part I can understand. Yes. Right. So, so, so I think we need to be able to distinguish between, um, being within somebody else's shoes and being able to ally ourselves and and stand with people who who have been through particular experiences uh, and so that's that's the first thing that i wanted to share mm -hmm. uh, and i suppose the second thing is is that for myself being achieving success with my, within my previous career within investment banking and i had so many challenges one challenge being from a very poor background um, being the first child within my family to go to university, there was no one that I knew, you know, very few people actually I knew that that went to university within my within my community. So there were a lot of obstacles in in, in the way. I went to a grammar school. I was very academic. I, I did very very well. Had a few hurt, you know, hit a few hurdles on the way, but I managed to do computer science at university. That became my career. I worked for Microsoft back in the 90s, 90s very, uh, mm -hmm. the most successful IT company in the world back then. Um, got headhunted by investment banks, wanted to make, make more money, even more money, more money. I wanted to be, I wanted to be successful. Uh, and the experiences at school in terms of racism, right through to university, right through to applying for my, the first roles um, and recognizing that even as I got more and more successful, believing that I would face less challenges, uh, the, the, there were the same number of challenges. There were the same number of frequency of issues. Um, the, the, the doubt, the same, same sort of doubts that I would often have to question my ability, like, hold on a second, um, why am I still being questioned? Even though I've achieved all of these things and I have all of this extensive experience, why do I feel still feel as if I'm on, I have to be on the back foot all of the time? Why am I not compared in the same way as my peers? Mm. 
why do I have to be twice as good to be seen as a as an equal? Yeah, so, yeah. I yeah. think you'd mentioned in one of your um, in one of your talks about um, so so one of the one of the times you were talking, you'd said you'd gone for a job and you were stood in between two other um, people who were both Caucasian white, mm -hmm. and the person walked over and was looking for Mr. Edwards and kind of didn't look at you and walked away again. And as, as you were telling the story, I was getting angrier and angrier, thinking, what, what is going on here? What? And that is my, my level of uh, kind of empathy and experience is I can imagine what that was like for you at the time, that perhaps you were feeling that anger. But also, oh. for me, I don't know whether you were in a place of it's always like this. This is the apathy of racism. This is, this is what I have to do to achieve and... Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's, um, if I'm speaking to other um, black professionals about an incident like that, it, we, we would laugh, we would have a laugh and joke about it. Not because it's, it's, a, it's funny, but because it happens all of the time. You know, we, we, it's almost like a shared experience, like, oh my mm -hmm. goodness, mm -hmm. you know, have a listen to this, you know, if you, you know and, and you almost have to make light of it because it is so traumatic, because it does really, it's like another, you know, knife, you know, another kind of being stabbed again and again, you know, like, that's what it kind of feels like, an emotional kind of stabbing. And in that situation, and that was probably midway through my career, in, in my previous career. Um, so I'd already, you know, qualified, lots of really good experience. I, I was being approached you know, I didn't have to look for work. It was like that, yeah. you know, Mr. Edwards, we want you. So having this telephone interview, being offered, uh, being offered a job, um, being paid, you know, more than I've than ever been paid before. I mean, it was like pretty much whatever you want, we're happy to pay. So on the, in the context of that, going to day one in my, in my role, dressed to the nines in a, in a, in a suit, sitting next to two individuals, and the receptionist saying, Mr. Edwards is over there. They're pointing at, my, at me, um, but yet the individual who was going to be my boss came down and, and looked at all three of us and was like, you know, okay, you Mr. Edwards on the left, you Mr. Edwards on the right. And I'm sitting there going, I'm not gonna say anything at all. I'm just gonna be, I'll be here waiting for him to recognize he's made a mistake. And on the third time coming back to me, after having a go at the receptionist, like I thought you said Mr. Edwards was sitting over there. He, he is, he's right, you know, she, she, he's right there. And he came over to me and he was bright red. He was like, he couldn't look me in the eye. He was very embarrassed and apologetic. I'm, I'm really sorry, please don't think that I'm a racist. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean, didn't mean anything by it. And I, and, I, and I kind of said to him like, well, you know, and he, even when I had a conversation with him, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to be working for this guy. Yeah. You know, I, I do I want to be fired on day one by speaking up too loudly? <laughs> you know, like that that's the position, that's the position that you're in. Mm -hmm. So I had a very diplomatic conversation with him and I said, Well, what do you have an explanation? You know, just just explain to me. What what, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean exactly? And he kind of mumbled and you know just didn't have much just didn't have much to say bluster um 
getting getting more concerned that I might speak to human resources and uh, you're not going to speak to anyone about this are you and and so yeah that 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 happened and and in some respects I wish I had have done more I probably wish I had have gone to HR and day one and said actually this is what's happened but I I also kind of know that there wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been a great outcome no I I I don't think any I don't think anything would have been done I think my card would have been marked and I would have been seen as a troublemaker and I, I wouldn't have lasted long within that organization. That's what I, f I fear would have happened. Um, and, and so, yeah, I continued working there and I continue to have those experiences many, many times. And because, because I became a, a contractor, so which is basically like a, an independent consultant, mm -hmm. I'd be working a lot for lots of different organizations on a, on a very regular basis. So I might have a, a three month contract, a six month contract. So I ended up working for, for scores of banks. Um, um, and so you, you'd, you, you'd there'd just be so many incidents. I'd have hundreds of interviews. So probably, yeah, I probably had a good several hundred interviews. And so when you start seeing that there was a significant minority of those, whereby you were judged as soon as, you know, you'd walk in, and you'd see people like there's like a double take. You'd see the interview panel kind of looking at each other like, oh, um, huh. you know, they wouldn't look me in the eye. They wouldn't know what to say to me during an interview. And I'm like, this is an unusual in interview. <laughs> you know, they struggle to shake your hand. That you know, there was there was all these very subtle signals of not being happy about this this situation um, of passing psychometric tests and and technical tests and acing the tests and being told, oh, we're still not sure if you're the candidate for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so what, can you give us a reason why? I, I would love to know so I can improve, I can get better. Oh, not really, how did I do my testing? Oh, testing was 100%, you know, you, you pass with flying colors. Okay, okay, so, you know, um, psychometric tests? Yeah, you, you'd, probably fit, you'd probably fit in with our organization. Yeah, no, no issues there, very logical, very analytical. You know, uh, that's a good. That's exactly what we need for somebody in your field. Okay, so w w why? Mm -hmm. Well, we just didn't feel there was the right fit. You know, and and of course, I didn't want to assume on every occasion that it was because of racism. You know, you I I wanted to feel think the best of people, but you become you start to become aware of those subtleties of that covert display of racism. You're aware that you're not going to be told to your face. It's because you're black. That's that's why. Yeah. Sorry, that's the reason. I, you know, you know that's not going to happen. Um, and and that's a landscape you're trying to traverse. And I felt that the, my only savior was trying to become more successful by trying to um, work harder than my peers, doing more hours being more successful, being known as the best in my, in my field, ensuring that I, that when I attended an interview, I was like, I just need to make sure I'm the best candidate here. That's hands down. They need to, I, I can't give them any reason to doubt me. I have to be the best. And, and there were times when I, I would do like five interviews and I would get a job offers for four. So that, you know, that, that, that was a level of, of expertise and, and, and demand for my skills. At particular point, but even then, there would still be there would still be incidents, uh, incidents like that, 
Um, and I don't, but I don't want to say it was just in the professional arena. Um, even even in my personal life, I would experience I would experience this. I've experienced this in my you know being stopped by the police, walking down the street, you know, or or you know going for a run. Why are you running? You know, <laughs> I'm training for a 5K. You know, stop being cheeky. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not being cheeky. I'm just I'm, I'm actually doing a 5K or a 10K. <laughs> you know, and then you, you'd have these really difficult conversations whereby you know they want you to they want to create some conflict whereby they can say right we're going to arrest you we're going to charge you what for you know for for resisting arrest or or so you you know they those situations they were trying to escalate you even though there was no no reason to stop stop and search me there was yeah. no reason to stop me in my car and some of the best reasons were things like we're stopping you because you're driving too slowly you know, we're stopping you because it's too late at night. It's too early in the morning. <clears throat> um, you're in the wrong neighborhood. Well, I actually live here. How, how do you know I'm in the wrong neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do remember once they, they, they said you're in the wrong neighborhood and they checked, they checked the registration and I had all my documents. And I'm like, you do realize that my, this address is just around the corner, right? You know, like, can you, can you, isn't this quite ironic what you're saying? Like I'm showing my document, I'm showing my proof of address, <laughs> the vehicle's registered to me and I live just like a few hundred meters away and you're stopping me telling me I'm in the wrong neighborhood. Uh, uh, and of course, even that doesn't go down well, you know, that's, that's seen as antagonizing <laughs> and, and difficult. So, yeah, there were just there were just so many of those incidents, uh, and you realize it's a common experience, and you realize that my success didn't make, you know. Of course, there was the, there were some aspects of life that there were that were better because of mm -hmm. our progress, for for sure, because of the changes, societal changes. Yes, because I was earning a certain amount of money. Yes, there were significant benefits to that lifestyle. But in terms of how I'd be viewed, you know, people don't people don't look at you and say, "Oh well, I, I know what I know their character." They just make an assumption of who you are, based and if it's based on the on the color of your skin, um, it, it 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 could be negative. And in all of those instances, it was a negative reaction, just by looking at the color of my skin, just yeah. by judging me, knowing nothing about me, uh, deciding whether I could do the job or not just based on the color of my skin so this is a problem and this problem is systemic uh, and it's structural and it's it's outside of uh, somebody as an individual being racist or not you know it's it's a there's a culture unfortunately of of institutionalized racism that that exists that many of us have to battle with um and many others are saying doesn't exist or they're invisible to it or they benefit from this structure so it's very difficult mm -hmm. to, let, to let go of that of that benefit and that privilege yeah i'm i'm just thinking out of that out of that conversation there daryl i mean apart from the fact that i feel I, I don't know what I feel at times. I feel numb. I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel despondent. I feel, there's so much that goes on when you're talking. 
about how can we do this to each other? Um, I, what would that experience be like? And I'm just I'm just thinking about the listeners here in terms of empathy. We can do that. Um, so there's the varying um, styles of empathy, and we can do that cognitive, which is I can imagine. Uh, you know, I can think about what it's like. But yeah. I'm I'm talking about for people listening. I don't know how much that hit you in what we call the feels now. That's like the 2020 version of kind of talking about emotions, isn't it? Oh, it hit me right in the feels. Um, mm. I, how much of that do people really, really feel when they're talking and listening or, or well, when they're listening to you? Um, yeah. Because I, I, I was, as you were talking, going, I've never had to think like that. I've never had. Uh, I think when you did one of your Instagram lives, you were talking with somebody and she said, um, I think it was the fasting doctor and she said when she's in her car she has her documents up on the, the sun visor mm. because she's too frightened to to do anything other than put her hands up and go uh, you know and pull the sun visor down so that the police officer and I, I sat there and I'm going to do my typical um, cathing now and I'm aware that people are beginning to learn that I'm a bit of a sweary person but I just went fuck that had never entered my mind until that put well I mean it had but it never, it never hit me like it did the other day. And I just mm. went, I've never, ever had to think like that when I'm in a car. Mm. What I do think about is do I lock the door in case, I don't know, somebody tries to hijack the car. Yes. My thinking is very, very different because actually my experiences are very different. And that's, mm. that's the difference in this empathy here is I haven't had any of your experiences, Daryl. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted to think what would it be like if that happened for me and how do you not become totally numb to this in terms of I know you said that you have a, um, a laugh with people and go you know you can't you're not going to believe this story mm. but there's something about wow I, I, wow I'm, I'm really quite stuck for words here um, you know I, I suppose that there have been periods in, in my life where I've, I have felt the best way to deal with this is just to be angry and to be bitter and to kind of seek revenge uh, and and you know then you realize it's about finding finding the right times and the right moments to be vocal and mm -hmm. to recognize that everyone is on a different spectrum in, in relation to this whether it's experiences, whether yeah. it's active participation or, or silence or what, whatever it may be. And, and I think and I know it's kind of a bit of a cliche, but it just is so relevant, in my opinion, is, is thinking about Nelson Mandela. And I suppose for him, with all of his experiences, for being put into, into prison, mm. being condemned by the, the apartheid government of South Africa at the time, you know, probably the most hated individual in, in the country uh, when he was imprisoned. And to come through all of that and to have a, you know, black majority who were able to vote for the first time elected yeah. as president and to continue, you know, to make decisions that were about reconciliation, were about education were about appealing to listen this is this is not only how we feel now uh, uh, as black africans but we've been feeling this way for such a long time and i suppose that aspect of this is really is really important 
mm-hmm. is 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 saying yes we have to talk about um this the collective experience but i also have to i have i also have to talk about my experience in terms of interacting interacting with, with others and being yeah. prepared to have difficult conversations because a lot of time people just say well hey look i'm not i'm not racist what has it got to do with me um and you know or have you ever had any have you ever had had any had any issues with racism though you know aren't things so much better now and as soon as i start having the conversations about well actually let me tell you let me tell you you know <laughs> people people start to at least you know have have some level of intellectual understanding at least <clears throat> and i suppose in terms of what you said the cognitive the cognitive in terms of of the fields you know i i don't know you know i suppose as a public speaker you know as somebody who who wants to communicate many helpful and helpful messages there may be an advantage in that in that ability to think okay how how can i best communicate this yeah. in a way that hopefully will be bringing people together because there are some people who are going to be like i don't care what you have to say daryl on this subject i'm going to i've switched off anyway i'm not even going to start start listening um there are going to be some who are on the fence who are like we, we're still not we're still not really sure um and i suppose and there are those who already know what the, what the score is so i suppose this conversation is more for those who are kind of on the fence who really are they're struggling themselves in terms of knowing what they can do in what can make the world a better place in when they should be calling calling things out um, and i would say again thinking about the sexism example which at least 50 percent of your audience hopefully you know 50 percent or so of the audience will be like okay i know exactly what you mean daryl uh, is if if i saw and i i actually have an example of this i saw um a couple walking walking down the street having an argument and the and the the male was really was was really far more aggressive and mm-hmm. threatening and i decided you know what i'm going to do the good samaritan thing i'm going to follow this couple i'm going to see if this escalates you know and i'll you know i'm going i'll call the police if it gets anywhere so that, so yeah. so I, I followed them for a while kept a, kept a safe distance i didn't want to I didn't kind of didn't want to get involved, but I wanted to wanted to make sure everything was going to be okay for this for this lady. So um, anyway, got to the stage where they're at, they're at a, a petrol station, and he start he basically started to hit this woman, hitting, kicking, and I remember thinking, okay, good, it's at a, it's on a it's on a gas station forecourt, and I can you know there's there are people inside the, the shop, there are people in the forecourt. And so I felt, okay, right, there's a, there's a few of us now. And I remember and I, I ran over to this guy and I, you know, and I kind of challenged him, I tackled him and I was like, you know, and, uh, and then she started saying, you know, get off him to me, you know, mm-hmm. stop, you know, and I was like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help, I'm trying to help you. So I'm, I'm trying to hold this guy off and he's trying to hit, so he's trying to go past me to hit her, imagine. So he's trying to, he's trying to get through me to hit her she's she's trying to pull me off him <laughs> don't don't you know and i'm like I'm, look i'm trying to help you so so i I, t- I say to the attendants like call call the police i say to people in the forecourt can you please help me you know why are you just standing there you know let's subdue this guy you know anyway the police arrive do you know what happens 
Did they by any faint chance speak to you first? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's 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 what happened. So I was the one. Mm. I was the one that they uh, ran to, um, and and you know, and I was kind of like, it's honestly, I'm not the aggressor here. Um, and fortunately, the 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 attendants in the store said, no, 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 it's not him. <laughs> it's him. Um, so it was a it was a a, a, a white couple. Not that it makes any difference, but but that's in terms of the situation. But it does in terms of who was seen as the as the aggressor. And I remember walking away. Um, you know, they said to me, "Oh, you know, we might need to take some details from you." And I and what I said to them, the the uh, the attendant saw everything. Actually, I was so upset with everything that had happened. Mm -hmm. The fact that I tried to help this this lady, the fact you know. But the the point the point I suppose I'm trying to make is. I still would have done exactly the same because I saw this woman in danger. Yeah. And I felt it was my duty to try to help in, in, in the best way possible. And some people need to do exactly the same when they see incidents of racism. They need to call it out. They shouldn't decide to walk on by as if it oh it doesn't it doesn't affect me, so I'm not going to be concerned about it. How I felt in wanting to help this lady. I would hope any other person, male or female, would, would feel exactly the same. It's not an intellectual decision. Mm -hmm. you, what your mind is thinking about all of the outcomes and like, can I help? Should I help? What should I be doing? There's a point where the heart goes, okay, Daryl, you can't go. How are you going to feel going home and going, I wonder what happened to that couple? Like, yep. no. Yep. Or calling the police and, and the police having no idea where the couple went. Oh, I last saw them 20 minutes ago in such and such a street. How's that going to help? So I was like, no, I'm going to follow. And I think people have to just, once you take some action, after the intellect has been stimulated, once there's an intellectual or cognitive understanding, I think it's once you start taking action, that can help to build the feels, as you, as you mentioned. That can help yeah. to build some of the empathy. Um, uh, as well. I, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to jump on this a second to give give the audience uh, a little experience of um, empathy in in terms of what you were talking about. So we know um, so there is a psychological concept, isn't there, the bystander effect of people not helping because they become paralysed with their own, you know, like you said, the thoughts of what can I do, what am I capable of, is it my problem, da da da, all of the things actually that are on your thread about the the broken leg. But for me, I'm going to ask. I'm going to say to the audience, put yourself into Daryl's shoes for just one moment. The bit that you talked about, and this is, I'm, I'm going to do it like a film where you kind of slow it down. And there was one moment where you actually said they were in the forecourt and you thought, good. And I'm going to really slow that right down because I think what you were thinking is there are witnesses. I'm not going to be siloed. I'm not going to be pinpointed as being the aggressor. There is people, there is enough people here for it to be seen as the active action I'm actually taking, which is to do the right thing by this lady. Yes. That's the bit that I don't think people understand is that is your frame of reference before you then go on to, should I intervene? Can I intervene? Da, 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 da. Your, your first moment of feeling is, will I be seen or outed as the aggressor, the perpetrator? And for me, that's, that's again, one of those moments where I don't have to think like that. 
and and that's that's the bit that i don't think people understand with this white privilege statement is i don't have to think like that mm, mm. And, that's a really good you know that's a fantastic point i'm so i'm so pleased that you that you rate that you highlighted that that you raised that because yes that was that was certainly my you know you have to have i think i mentioned in one of my social media posts one eye open one eye closed all of the time as well as what's actually happening you have to have this second train of thought that's kind of going quickly assessing it's like another kind of computer going you know hold on a second let me just compute quickly <laughs> all the all of the permutations of this situation so yes i considered i'm in a public space one two i'm in a space that's going to have cctv because it's a it's, <laughs> it's a four court three there are witnesses behind in the store you know and there are witnesses on the forecourt and and who can see everything that's happened right from the beginning right from the beginning to the, mm -hmm. to the mm -hmm. end and and of course when the police first arrived and they they kind of accosted me the 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 victim the female victim she was like yeah yeah it was him it was him and i'm like and in that moment, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, is are they really going to believe her? You know, like what what could possibly happen to me? Several police officers, me being accused of, of hitting not only the boyfriend, attacking the boyfriend, but her. This could be a, a really tragic end. Uh, um, worst case or a really sticky mess best case you know that, that's that was going through my head at that moment in time thinking oh why did i step in why why, yeah. why did i do this like why is no one willing to help me and unfortunately as i mentioned the attendants were like well no no no, no. this is what happened and, mm -hmm. and police officers uh, fortunately were like okay we're, we're we're happy with your story you know they asked me what so what happened sir i explained they're like yeah that we're happy that makes sense give us your details, we'll be in touch. And I'm thinking, hopefully you won't be, <laughs> you know, ho hopefully you'll have more than enough information from from the witnesses. Um, um, but yeah, it's, it, it, um, I, I definitely want to, 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 to implore people to understand that secondary thought process, which is always there. So you go for a job interview and you're thinking, I wonder if this time, I will have, you know, a, a covert form of racism. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I if I don't get this job. So of course I'm not expecting to get every single job that I would that I would go for, but not knowing, did I not get the job because I wasn't good enough, or was I not given the job because of my skin color? Even that, even that is traumatic. Actually, even that weighs on you because you're constantly questioning yourself. So of course I was driven by going, let me minimize, let me minimize the amount of my thought going towards, am I not good enough by trying to get better and better and better. So I overcompensated, I overqualified, I spent an, an exorbitant amount of time to be this superhuman individual in that space and to, to, to mitigate having to think about it anymore. Like, oh, if I didn't, you know, I'm definitely going to get the job. That's what, you know, I'm, I was like, yeah. I'll do whatever it takes. I will make sure they cannot say 
know. Um, but that's even that's a stressor. Even that is is you know leads to sleepless nights. It sounds <laughs> exhausting. It's exhaust. Yes, it's exhausting, and it's one of the reasons why I left. I left that field was because it was constantly exhausting. It was. It was. I had to do more, even though I was happy to do the work. I felt it was a vindication. Oh, they're asking me to do this. Mm. You know, they're asking me to do more hours. They know that they, they can can depend on me. They, you know, but I'm kind of. I was realizing that. Hold on, a, hold on a second. You know, I'm suffering with ill health here. I'm not sleeping because I'm doing so many crazy hours. You know, I'm I'm not healthy. Um, you know, I'm getting poor blood test results. I'm not. I don't feel great. Um, there's something not quite right here. So there was a so there was a problem with me working in that way and having that additional burden of having trying to be the best and trying to prove myself constantly. And so there, yeah, there were two kind of two reasons why I left. The, the, the main reason was because I wanted I wanted to change. I wanted to to focus on my health and well being for sure. Um, I wanted to get out of the cut and thrust of that world, which was very you know it was very volatile. It was like you know very hostile environment in many in many respects mm. but also i think just knowing you know one of the catalysts actually was a was a colleague of mine who was who was quite senior who was who was of my similar heritage to me and and i remember he, he was kind of pulled over the hot coals and and i knew he had nothing to do he had no black there was no fault at all and I was one of the only people who was supporting him and kind of going, I was there all night. I saw what this person did, you know, and it's mm -hmm. kind of like, actually, no, 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 we're not interested in what you have to say. We're, we're going to go with what everyone else has to say. And it's like, but don't, they weren't there. They weren't there for the entirety of the time, you know. So you, so even in, when things like that happen, you're like, oh, my goodness, it could happen to him. You know, he's, you know, such a successful individual. So he's done so much and he can still be have to fall on the sword you know he's the he's the easiest mm. target like what i don't understand so yeah i i suppose i started to fall out of love um but the health and well-being world that i thought was going to be a lot more welcoming and well we're also you know we kind of yeah. almost have a spiritual engagement with trying to help people uh, and so altruistic but then you realize that there's there are similar barriers so the, the the barriers to making information accessible the barriers that exist in terms of different health outcomes you yeah. know for a wide range of of, of ailments um, everything to death in childbirth to you know the handling of of covid covid19 outcomes are, are, are worse for those of bm bame uh persuasion like um I mentioned a fact to you earlier about life expectancy on the on the district line. So you go west to Richmond and you go east to Barking and where the, the demographic changes significantly and there's a twenty year gap in average life expectancy. Yeah, that, that absolutely blew, blew my mind. I mean, I know, uh, uh, obviously, I, I researched trauma and epigenetics, but that, but even to here, that's in London in 2020. Yeah. And it's, it's a 20-year difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it, well, I mean, yeah, let's let's get into let's get into the why. So this is this is not about and, and I am a, an advocate of, you know, intergenerational trauma being passed down and so on and so forth. And um, there's the most underwhelming way to talk about child trauma by calling it an ACE, which stands for an adverse childhood experience. So at the moment, that's pretty much the buzzword in the therapeutic world and the trauma informed world. And and yet we know for example, that uh, four aces or more and you're likely to get cancer further down the line or have a shorter life expectancy. Right. But actually, this is about right now in, in terms of those living conditions, the socioeconomic status, the way that the way that we are taking care of each other. And, you know, this is where that racism really comes in as well, isn't it? How I noticed the elitist, um, the white privilege of most of the people who who got the support at the beginning and got the advice certainly weren't the lower socioeconomic communities where the information wasn't shared in exactly the same way. Mm, mm. Yeah. It's, and, and again, I mean, I don't want to, I certainly don't want to say this is just a, this is just a racism problem because that certainly isn't. It's, it's a socioeconomic issue. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the reason I raise this is because it isn't, it just really isn't being spoken about um in in, in in terms of the priority that it should be mm. so you know people often in health and well-being probably diet is the number one probably the number one kind of asset in that space you know if you just eat this way if you know you you, you have your really good clean diet then everything's going to be fine uh, and you know if you exercise in a particular way you know everything's going to be fine if you look a certain way everything everything's good if you just take these actions and you realize a lot of that messaging is another form of it. It's another form of elitism. It's another mm. form of like a kind of a class based society of a, of a superiority. It's kind of almost like superiority ladder of, you know, we're really healthy because we just know what we're doing and we have access to the best resources and I'm just all knowledgeable and yeah. you know, doing all the right things. And if you just did the right things, everything's going to be fine. And you have those at the bottom of the pile who don't have access to resources. Um, even if they did, it's not it's not accessible for them. It's not written in a way that is is meaningful. It's yeah. seen as patronising. It can uh, it's devoid of any cultural or class based significance. I you know don't you understand that you know we we eat different foods or <laughs> the food you're saying that are you know we have to avoid it's a significant part of my heritage, you know, like what, what are you, what are you saying? What, you know, why are you saying my foods are bad, but your choices are good, you know? So I think there were so many, there were so many reasons as to why um, people in those communities were like, you're so out of touch. I, I, I remember once having a, being a, in, an audience member uh, at a conference and, and the panel, panelists were talking about, it's just so easy to eat clean. You know, so easy to make the right choices. Um, you can do it on a budget. And I said, you know, mm -hmm. can you, you know, I'm like, there's some people who are going to be appalled by that statement, who are going to be going, you have no idea. You mentioned extra yeah. virgin olive oil, for example. Do you really, do you really think some of the poorest members of our society can spend like two pounds or three pounds on, on some olive oil? Like, I mean, do you understand what how far that three pound would need to go for that family? 
you know, they would want to be creating entire meals, you know, not just not just what you use to to dress your salad. You know, I'm like, you 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 have no, you really have no idea. And they kept on insisting that no, 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 it's just so it's so simple. You know, you can, you know, I'm like, oh my goodness, it, no, it isn't it isn't simple. It is really difficult to improve your health with a lot of these measures. Yeah. Uh, even those of us who know all the stuff we should be doing struggle with it. So, <laughs> you know, so, so like, why are you assuming it's so easy? And that's one of the reasons why those individuals, why there is that 20 year gap. And unfortunately, the elitist aspect of this is, tends to be, it's your fault. That's what sickens me. It's like, it's your fault that you're suffering with obesity. It's yes. your fault that you have this chronic disease. If only you listen to me, if only you defied conventional wisdom, everything will be fine. Um, and it reminds me of when I used to be involved in an evangelical church when I was young and I was, I was saved and I was born again and mm -hmm. I was enlightened and I was trying to tell everyone, if you just listen to me, then everything will be fine for you, you know. <laughs> It's like it's like that being telling people mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. do this if you just follow these steps and come with me, everything will be fine. Um, and of course, you're patronizing people. People need to make up their own mind. If they want to talk about it, they will make it in the form that's accessible. Don't believe you know everything. Have a discussion without saying I disagree with you because I just know that I'm right. Like really, you're not listening. You're just telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And yes, yeah, so that's that. That makes me feel very uncomfortable seeing that increasing di division in, in, in the health and well-being world, which tends to be blaming that it's all about willpower. It's all about self-responsibility, um, not thinking about the social constructs that are in place that make it more difficult, the educational constructs that make it more difficult, the challenges in particular environments. There's no whole, I haven't got a Whole Foods in my neighborhood. I can't even, I haven't see, I can't even see any fresh fruit and veg where I, in my community set. You know, there were some communities like that. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking this is where we start talk, talking about the, the levels of poverty, don't we? And then, and, and what tends to happen is then we start talking about this, you know, there are some communities that are in abstract poverty and, you know, there are more children at this point in time than ever recorded starving hungry not being fed because there isn't enough money in the families they're mm. then going to the the school breakfast clubs which is you know and i'm just thinking about that that reference to uh, what they should and shouldn't eat where the schools are going we've got bread because we can feed 30 children that haven't been fed at home so yes. we're going to give them we're going to give them toast in the morning mm. you know and whilst i know and and you know and i can come from that in inverted commas biohacking framework i know that bread's probably not the best um, form of food mm. but I also know if it's the only bloody food you're getting then damn right you get that down your neck because you yeah. need to survive yeah exactly if, if if that's what that family's living with then you can bet your bottom dollar that that family's living in a heightened stressed state which is having an effect on their you know their autonomic nervous arousal this is not just about food choices this is not just about um you know the fact that the, the diabetes is higher in certain certain areas and then it gets blamed on diet and and i think well that's because you make these clean foods so elite for yes. example the, the organic stuff you know just eat organic i'm like 
single parent growing growing up with my uh, my my two boys growing up yes i did buy organic but i had to work bloody hard to get the money i couldn't have done it on what they now call universal credit i just couldn't have done yeah of course yeah so there's something about i understood that um i was sacrificing one thing to to put food on the table that was of good quality mm. but i also know that i grew up in a family where we we were fed on what were called economy meals you know and it was whatever whatever we could afford at that time because of the climate because that's that's how it was yeah. and i i know that i see most of the trauma on the lower socioeconomic status um areas and districts mm. and yet that's the area that's not being given the trauma informed support to actually yeah. say let's have a look at the socioeconomics that are going on here yes, um, yes. Where I live, we've now got a really, really large community of African-Americans and, and they've kind of gone, right, what we're going to do is we're going to put them over here and they've shoved them all in really close housing and in between, you know, in with each other. There's fighting, there's been stabbings, there's been, and I'm, I'm thinking, what would it be like to live there? Well, it's you eat what you can, you survive as best as you can and then when you're, I don't know, old enough or whatever, then you get out of there. And I, I think it's the same for... Um, you know any any big city but particularly london 20 years is a massive difference and that that has got to be understood at government level there's yeah, I mean, yeah. people that know that yeah i mean it has and and i mean i mean we know you know we've had austerity for, for the last 10 years and um and now i suppose we know there's going to be an impending economic consequence of of the lockdown and and the furlough scheme and everything else that mm people losing their jobs. So we're, 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 we're certainly not out of the woods and we've got a long way to go, but that's only gonna, I suppose, exacerbate this, this, this division of, of those are okay, the, the haves and the have and the have nots. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think that's, it's what's driven me even more as best as possible with Primal Play and the Primal Play Method to, to think about accessibility and, and inclusivity and and making sure and producing materials that people say oh I you know I can recognize myself I can recognize my parents on on your products you know I, I, there, there's there's something real world about what I'm trying to do uh, and that's one of the reasons why I've, I've I've gone down this route of you don't need to be in a gym and I'm not saying it in a in a kind of a token way i'm like you need to remove as many barriers as possible if if you mm -hmm. can't afford a gym and you feel ah, oh, if only i could go to a gym i could be fit everything would be fine you know if you well that's that's the message that's sold to you isn't it you need to be at a gym because otherwise yeah. you're not doing proper fitness yeah exactly <laughs> you're not doing proper fitness you know you may not be able to go out for a run in your neighborhood you may not be able to go to your you know you may not have a local park you may not have a garden. So, you know, what can I do at home? Mm -hmm. What can I do without any tools? What can I do even if I haven't got any training gear? You, we, we have to be a bit more open to saying there are other options. There are simple ways that you can improve your health without it being, you know, detrimental to your mental health. Like, yeah, just do these things. And then you're challenged by, oh, my gosh, how can I get all that in? How can I fit it in? The time, the money, the resources. I, I have no idea. The confusion. Actually, let's keep it simple. Let's make sure it's helpful and helpful. And um, But, you know, at the same time, 
as somebody working for themselves, you you also have the issue of there isn't necessarily money in that message. Yeah. You know, like you know, if I if I tell people in a genuine way that this is look, here are some simple things you can do, then I've done a really good job. If people go, okay, that's great. I don't need you, Daryl. You know, I don't need I don't need your expertise because you've just given me the answer. Yeah. So it's a fine it's a fine line, I suppose. Um, and I'm hoping I have I'm setting up a I suppose a um, a suite of products and information that can cater for different audiences. So for those who just want give me something mm -hmm. simple, give me something free, I can come in, take it, use it, great. And then for those who want a bit more support, those who want to dive in a little bit more, I, I'm providing those those services and have that provision as well. So I don't want to alienate as well as anyone that's right, in, in, in the best way possible and making sure that I can offer resources that will that will help the, the widest array of individuals. Yeah. Well, I mean, you do give away your your free uh, playouts uh, three times a week, don't you, on Instagram? So, and, and I, I think that's a fantastic way of showing people, actually, because uh, I think it must be um, a small space that you have within within your flat, and and it really does go, here we are doing the exercises, and this is how you do it in your own home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, a small, you know, I'm in my living room, you know, I've pretty much just got a mat on the floor, and, and that's the space that I, that I kind of occupy. So yeah, it's a real world scenario. You do, you uh -huh. can see me doing things. You, you can try those out if you're able to do so. Um, and you don't need lots of space and you can challenge yourself, but still have a bit of fun. Um, still do some things that are quite interesting. So yeah, there's a way I'm to try. I'm tiring, tiring. I haven't, I, I never knew pogo jumps could, could actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I'm sure, you know, when people use the pogo, you know, do pogo jumps in, in listening to different bands or whatever, you know, like they could probably do that for hours and hours. It'd be like, yeah, whatever, you know, because you're just so in the moment and you're having fun. Mm -hmm. It's incredible when I think about when I was younger and you, the, the amount of energy and that zest for life. Um, and I'm trying to, with Primal Play, I'm trying to kind of recreate that in, in yeah. exercise form, in movement form. It's like, yeah, take some of that joy and infuse it into this session of play, this play out rather than working out. And and, and a lot of time the, the time kind of flies by. I'm like, oh wow, the session's over. And I know I've I know I've done quite a bit, but <laughs> um yeah, yeah. And and for me, the thing that I noticed, um, so when, when we first started going into to lockdown, I think picking up that that London uh, aspect was all of the high rise flats that I saw on the news. And obviously, as it was panning over, this is what London looks like under lockdown. I looked at each one of those high rise flats and went, how many are in those flats? Single parents, parents with children, you know, people who are now segregated. And actually, there is something about, um, you know, they're not going out because we weren't allowed out right at the very beginning. Mm. That, that's that's a time when people will sit and ruminate and they're not exercising and they're, they're, uh, they're in um, fight flight stages. So... They will go through cyclical moments of I'm bored, I'll eat. I'm hungry, oh, I'll eat. I'm tired, I'll eat. Mm. You know, I can't get, you know, and we're back to that, that kind of food um, <laughs> analogy again. 
all I can get from the supermarket is the uh, cereals and the pasta and, and that's what I'll do. I'll have my comfort food. Mm. So there was something about, I looked at a health disaster right at the beginning of COVID going, I don't think it's COVID that's going to cause the biggest problem. I think it's what's happening right now in mm. terms of lockdown and the choices that we're making or not making. And then being told you could exercise once a day, but not being told actually you can exercise within your homes or you, it, there's, there's lots of ways you can do this again that lacking information mm, mm. It, it was you know go for a walk as though that's this, this and I'm, I'm aware that Hippocrates used to say it but and, and thanks to you I think uh, you put that in your slides as well yeah. but there's also something about a walk doesn't solve everything the same as you know biohacking doesn't solve everything the same as you know even coming to a therapist doesn't solve everything you have to have a, a multitude of options and interventions and it's multifactorial and and I yeah. think this is where we're a bit stuck at the moment. Yeah, so I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. And uh, I mean, I certainly, I certainly was happy with the messaging in relation to exercise because I live in a, I mean, I live in a flat, no garden. Um, so that was when they announced lockdown, that was what I was waiting to hear. So, so as I was, I was wait, I was listening out for like, okay, so what are the exceptions? And, you know, yeah. one exception was, yeah, you can go out and exercise. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness for that. Yeah. Um, and so I went out day one of the lockdown. I'm like, I'm going out every single day, rain or shine. I don't care. And and there was some, even doing that, though, there was there was some additional anxiety, you know, of like, you know, no one on the streets being kind of almost panicky around making sure you're avoiding people. And so even though I felt, okay, I'm reasonably healthy and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm doing something healthy by going for a walk. It was a, it was a, a really challenging time for many people, you know, not mm -hmm. being able to see certain family members and not being able to, to like, you know, live life as you were even just a few days before. So yeah, there's a, I think there's a physical health, you know, hurdle, to come significant one and and the mental health challenge well i i kind of have a, a i don't know whether it's a rhetorical question no it's not a rhetorical because i think we, there's a bit maybe we could chat about but do you do you think that these um these riots and uprisings and and all of the the, the things that are currently happening around black lives matter at the moment mm. i'm i'm making a, a, a kind of proposal suggestion here that actually i think it's because we've been under lockdown for so long that we've been suppressed or depressed Yes, yes. I think what is actually happening is this is the um, so usually in a trauma response, we have uh, a withdrawal at some point, but then we come out and there's a resurgence. Mm. And I'm wondering if this is, you know, displaced anger as well as, you know, the fact that people are genuinely angry. Yeah, that's a really, you know, that's a really, really good point. And, and, and I mean, we know that the, the most of the protests are peaceful, you know, and, and we know that the, with the protests, there's been violent, there's been you know violence instigated on on both sides, you know. But um, but yeah, I think you know you can't condone I can't condone violence, uh, um, and I would I would wish that all of the protests would be peaceful. That would be mm -hmm. a, a great a grandiose hope that that would be the case. But at the same time, it's it's forged this conversation to continue. I, I think I think it's maintained a higher level of awareness of this problem. I, I don't think we would have been talking about this now 
if there hadn't have been a protest. It yeah. would have been a news item, George Floyd, or oh, how tragic, uh, move on. That's what would have that's what would have happened. We still would be probably talking about Dominic Cummings or something. So mm -hmm. I, I think I think there's can't condone it, but I can I can kind of understand some of the frustration. I certainly do agree that I'm sure some of that, you know, frustration um, was part of the oh we've just been locked down, you know, now we can now we can go out and, and, and show the world how we really how we really feel. The downside to that is is that some people will um, will feel that it doesn't honor the memory of George Floyd yeah. and, and the true essence of what Black Lives Matter means um, and that it will alienate some people. But at the same time, mm -hmm. I also think about the protests in the, in the 60s, the, the civil, right, civil rights marches, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Selma, Bridge, Martin Luther King, uh, people of all colors who were marching and and the the police brutality and the, the brutality of the of people watching and and so even even during the most peaceful of protests there was the same sort of reaction like we don't want to do anything we don't want to change the world um you deserve to be brutalized and 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 so yeah something needs to something needs to change and and it needs to be done very very quickly to try to pacify the protesters i would say that that's what people should be thinking about who have who are in power power and authority and, and again if we think this is just a black lives matter thing think about the poll tax riots think about the, the suffragettes the, the the women who fought for the right to vote yeah they protested silently to begin with they protested like oh please can you give us the, please give us the vote you know men were like no it's not going to happen sorry, mm -hmm. sorry. <laughs> They had to be heard, you know. That's that's what happened, you know. It's 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 a part of it's a part of history, uh, um, you know. Peasants revolting, for example, against aristocracy, you know. All of these events that we've seen in history, unfortunately, haven't been resolved by peaceful, um, you know, demonstrations alone. You know, they they usually do escalate, unfortunately. Okay, I have one one more thing that I actually has just popped in my head again. I'm probably going to go and write another blog on this one anyway because it's something something I've been paying attention to because um, I'm aware that um, I will need to shoot off and I've I've had quite a bit of your time as well, Daryl. Um, so the difference between all of those earlier riots and where we are in in today, um, technology, um, and I'm going to come back to something you'd said on one of your your uh, other interviews, but also I've heard other people saying. Um, I think at the moment what we're doing is we're, we're now able to see much more through digital media, you know, we're, we're filming, I mean, the news has become something that every person does. We're all, we're all news reporters now, aren't we, if we've got a smartphone. Mm -hmm. So for me, there's something about um, the, the George Floyd video. Actually, I, I stumbled across it and I have this big thing about cyber traumas and, you know, coming across material that's, that's really not suitable for people to be watching uh, in a, kind of third person capacity mm. the difference for me was i think one of the one of the sentences i have heard black people saying is that that could have been me and i think you mm. you beautifully eloquently said it actually that that's one of the things that research has shown is that 
you you would embody that that visual experience in a very different way to to somebody that's that's perhaps white mm. or um I, and for me there's something about I tend to look because I'm quite empathic and obviously I have to be I'm a therapist I'd, I'd be shitting my job if I wasn't um yeah. that I I look at these videos and the reason they affect me so badly is I go oh my god that could have been and I go through a whole list of you know that could have been somebody I knew that could have been this person that could have been that person that could have been that person and right now with all of the horrors that are happening I'm wondering how how this is being embodied by black people who are watching the rioting the murders the the brutality you know all of the different experiences because it's coming at you constantly particularly on social media feeds oh yeah yeah no it, it, it's um yeah i mean it, it, it's it's just another additional layer of the trauma that i've had since a young child that's how i that's how i see it so so um as you mentioned and as i mentioned in that in that research study which i think was published in the lancet of you know a, comparing a black person witnessing an person being killed and a white person doing so regardless of the race of the victim but yeah uh, white people tend to say oh that was an individual incident um had nothing to do with me how tragic how awful but i'm fine um, yeah. and a black person's more likely to go that could have been me they they think it could have been me my brother my cousin my uncle my dad you know yeah uh, and, and so we embody this we internalize it and that's what I that's what I always feel whenever I see any of these videos. I'm like, oh my goodness, that could have been me if I was in that town. If I was, you know, um, and I've had conversations like that on social media for people who, you know, one message I had yesterday was, um, you know, George Floyd. There's no proof that George Floyd was asphyxiated. Um, there's there's no really there's no proof that um, he's even dead. It was it was all staged and. And I'm just like, you know, people <laughs> actually believe this. And, 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 and you, you, say, you say to yourself, well, look, he's just one idiot, you know, and I reply to him. And then you realize there are a lot of people who have that, have that view. They are so concerned about facing up to reality by mm -hmm. thinking there is this problem. They have to run so far away from it and put it into the conspiracy theory box and go, oh, actually, yep. Have you got any proof? I wasn't there. Yeah, I wasn't there to see it. It didn't happen. Oh, really? Is that is that is that what we've come to now? Yeah. Well, it, it's almost the same as the the propaganda pages and and yeah and the conspiracy pages of well well where where's the X Y Z? Yeah, it's it's uh, social media is a double edged sword. It really is, isn't it? It's it is. But but I'm I'm generally taken aback by people. Um, in terms of um yeah when when they do and say things on the internet and then come back with an answer but you don't know that and i go right okay clearly i'm not even going to get into the argument with you because if that's where we're starting you don't know that but i think we're done on the conversation <laughs> that's a good yeah i think i need to do more of that actually yeah I, i'm 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 unfortunately have a bit of a hero complex like i've got to save the world i've got to you know i like proving people wrong um, you know, so I'm like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pull out this research. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. And and I suppose sometimes you've got to. I've realised actually that I found the best way to communicate some of this is through the use of metaphors. 
is completely stripping away. Yep. I know more than you because I've got this study. Because or usually they just go, well, I've got another study. So, you know. <laughs> and I, well, that sounds like me and my son in terms of that's that. I shouldn't have brought him up to be a critical thinker because that's exactly what happens is I'll go, oh, there's, there's this. So, yeah, generally it's around fit. Generally, it's around fitness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, you want you want to be critical, but but, you know, but you also still but you still want to be I suppose you, you still want to be open to to recognizing that you could still be as critical as I am, as fair as I am, I could still be wrong. You know, I may still be on the wrong side of, of history or whatever it, whatever it may be. Um, and I think story, as humans are, are storytellers, mm -hmm. that's a universal way of communication. And if you think about it, most bit and other big shifts in terms of humanity shifts, have been on the back of of great storytelling, of great speeches, of, of yeah. empowering people. So, so I think I'm trying to, to be better at at creating these stories, at creating these metaphors of saying, think of it this way, you know, so that both you and I can remove ourselves from mm -hmm. this, and I present it in this way where we're both independent, but we can kind of see. We can see it completely objectively and go, oh my goodness, oh, now that's pretty clear. That's pretty vivid. Yeah. Uh, we need to be better at doing that. I'm, I, I don't know the answer as to how we, how we can do that, but I'm certainly working at, you know, like with a comic, comic strip, for example, you know, in some of my writing, I'm like, I'm trying to create this more plain English, <laughs> like, look how stark the contrast is here, you know. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing about, yeah, that's the thing about metaphor and, and uh, I work creatively in therapy and most of it, it the big aha moments happen through metaphor. When, mm. when something's happening, maybe in the sand tray and I go, well, that's interesting. Have you noticed that that character, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. I'll just leave that with you a minute for while, while that just processes and percolates, but the, I will, I will put a link to the, the comic series because I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you. Absolutely brilliant. Because each point that you made is, uh, and I did laugh at the stop pulling the brace card. That, <laughs> that did make me laugh. But the, there was something about these are the answers. These are the concepts that people come back with. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that, that, that was one of my favourite. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple in there that I, I definitely was hoping to get a laugh, a laugh out of. But, but yeah, it just, it, you know, again, hopefully the laugh just makes you go, hold on a second. This is just idiotic, you know, like. Yeah some of the, the 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 reasoning behind and justification for a particular viewpoint it's like just look at it just look at it from this point of view oh my goodness i can't believe i i felt that way or i've, I've posed yeah. that question or you know so um but yeah it's it's you know try not to focus too much on the negatives i think the positives around this are people are still talking about this people are certainly showing their true colors whatever that is mm -hmm. Of course, there are some people who aren't going to be genuine. Again, what, whichever side of the fence they're on, they're going to try. Oh, well, they're, those are the ones that go, oh, I've got black friends. Oh, I'm like, great, good for you. Yeah, you know, it's, you. <laughs> it, 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 does it, you know, does it change? Does it, you know, it doesn't necessarily change the way that you may be, be a part of this problem. Because we're all part, I mean, so that's the thing that we humans need to understand. We are all part of this problem. Yes. You know, I, I couldn't. I tried to separate myself from racism by becoming more successful. 
I believed, part of me, a small part of me believed, oh, one day I'll become so successful, it won't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 the most successful, well, the leader of the free world a few years ago, Barack Obama, as, as, as they like to use that term, leader of the free world, you know, he was the most prominent, one of the most prominent individuals on the planet. And he still faced <laughs> overt and covert racism. You know, yeah. he couldn't he couldn't escape it. No matter what his character, no matter how blemish free his pre presidency, and you know, doesn't it didn't it didn't matter. Um, and and when you hear again, when you speak to professionals, when you speak to actors, I remember Samuel L. Jackson talking once about he was standing on a he was standing on a corner speaking to some friends in LA and you know whoop whoop please so you know like jumped out of the car with the, with the guns and you know they were kind of like oh that's Samuel L. Jackson oh my gosh I've made a mistake you know like like even mm. even Samuel L. Jackson will be pulled over in his car and questioned and if the officer doesn't recognize him uh, he could be in a lot of trouble do you know what I mean like like yeah. why does it have to take yeah there's nothing there's nothing that excuses that sort of behavior of course but but that's the reality that anyone of my heritage understands you can't you can't escape it successful unsuccessful rich poor whatever from whatever walk of life from the most diverse communities to the least diverse wherever you are you'll be subjected to something that is going to be kind yeah. of holding you down um, to, to varying to varying degrees and that's that's the narrative we've got to change that's the that's what we've got to do so thank you thank you immensely for this conversation oh you, you're welcome Kath. i really really appreciate it and uh and thanks again for for all your support it's it's much appreciated that's for sure